0: listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit brockportfirstbaptist.org. And we'll begin our journey in Matthew chapter 4 verses 23 to uh, chapter 5 verses 3. Please hear the word of God. Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, people possessed by demons, or having epilepsy, or afflicted with paralysis. And he cured them, and great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak, and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the word of God for the people of God. Thank you so much for reading today, Kurt. However,
1: we're not really leaving wisdom, we're just moving into Jesus' wisdom. Um, We have been in this year, and I'm going to put up the slide that you guys have been used to seeing. That's not what it We moved to Ecclesiastes, which is, which was really downer for me. I don't know about anybody else, but. Deeper, I'm going to challenge you to read it again this week uh, and give yourself another look into very familiar passages. These are definitely ones that you have heard and you've read um, so many times that often we lose the meaning of the message. Um, sometimes Jesus' words can get tamed down or reinterpreted into the United States culture or changed in order to fit agendas, and they've been possibly used incorrectly. Maybe you've only heard these sections preached well, and I hope that you can still glean some more information from what I have to share. I am hoping that together we can slow down, take time, and figure out exactly what Jesus is asking us to do and to be like. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you, and I'm so excited to specifically work through this text. Um, I hope that this summer series makes you think, makes you wrestle with the words and the teachings of Jesus in a new way. Um, When we do slow down and we hear things like, But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment where everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery, or do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I hope that we ask ourselves, how is this possible to live up to? Sure, we don't have all the same laws that are found in the Old Testament, the pieces of wisdom that we find in the Sermon on the Mount can feel heavy and even harder to live up to. Often, especially in our culture, we find people diminishing the meaning and the words of Jesus or completely disregarding them altogether. Some have proposed that what we find in the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus uh, taught them only for an interim period, or some speak of it as if it's a perfectionistic code that was and is only required for those closest to Jesus, but not for us that live in the real world. And some people have even said that it's impossible, and diminish it so much to say that the function is only to show us that it is impossible to be righteous. Though there is some validity, Some of these statements, I would disagree that this is what Jesus intended. (coughs) Throughout the series, uh, I will argue over and over that Jesus has given these words to all of his followers at all times. His radical teaching is truly a call on all of us. The reason we gather here together today is that we are disciples of Jesus. I pray that we collectively allow for him to disciple us, to open our minds and our hearts and really listen to what Jesus is calling us to, where he is pointing us, where he is leading us. Though it's an odd place to start, I'd be remiss if I didn't start at the end, because there is a little section in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, that's really important. It's a little bit of a warning. I think there's a slide with it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against this house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Does anybody remember hearing something similar? Where did we find it? In <laughs> the three little pigs, yep. And the <laughs> what wisdom book did we hear these in? Does anybody remember? Sunday school, yeah, yeah, Lori's doing this hand motions. Dan made me promise that we'll sing that song again, but I don't think that we will. Um, maybe we will, I don't know yet. Um, so it's not really a warning so much as Jesus just letting us know hey, I'm teaching you these things for a reason. I want your foundation to be strong. Of course, there will be an entire sermon on this, so I'm not going to get into it too much now. But I want us all to be challenged to take time to open our minds to something that God might be trying to invite us to. I want you to learn and put into practice what you may hear that is new. I want all of us to have this firm foundation in what Jesus truly taught. Let's orient ourselves not through the legalistic ways of many looking at these words of Jesus, but instead let's allow God's grace to be in the forefront, calling us and motivating us toward the higher righteousness that Jesus called us toward, a life oriented by the love of God and the love of neighbors. So we're going to back up to matthew 4 verse 17 where he declares repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near this is shortly before our verses for today jesus is sharing that the kingdom of heaven has come it's here now of course it's not fully actualized yet but jesus models how we see this kingdom when we may not have realized that the kingdom is here now and has been beckoning us all along. Are you ready? Nope. <laughs> or, at the very least, are we willing to listen? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> are we willing to try and do what Jesus teaches? Yes. yes. And will you join me this summer on this journey? Yes. Thank you. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to dive in a bit just a little into the background and the context of this section of Matthew. We see from the beginning of our scripture verses today that Jesus is starting out on his ministry journey. He has just been baptized and was tempted in the desert for 40 days and nights. He has called Peter, Andrew, James, and John to be his first four disciples. And the crowds have already begun to follow him. We're going to reread the first part of our verse. Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, people possessed by demons or having epilepsy or afflicted with paralysis, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. We see here that Jesus is already having an impact on those who have heard about him. There are some very specific things here named as well. Demon-possessed, epileptic, those who are paralyzed. These afflictions aren't just sicknesses, but they designate those who were absolute in personally, socially, and economically. Jesus jumps right out of the gate and is focusing on those who are marginalized, those who have needs that they just can't get out of easily, those who have probably struggled their entire life and have been outcast. They found hope in Jesus' ability to heal so that they got up and just started following him. They wanted to learn from God himself, could hear and they could see that it was different. He was speaking with a different kind of authority. Different than the rabbis they had probably learned from. There were other people who came before and after Jesus who could perform miracles but they did not speak with the same authority. As we move on in chapter 5 verse 1 it says when Jesus saw the crowd He went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Here we're going to stop for a moment and look at some parallels. Remember, Jesus is emerging out of Israel's history. Jesus, his teachings, his utter existence cannot be removed from the history and story of the Israelites. One of the central elements of this history is that God spoke to humans through messengers, through the prophets. Specifically, God revealed his law on the top of Mount Sinai through whom? Moses. See, it's so good. You guys know all the answers today. This mountain that Jesus is going up should remind us of Moses when he was delivered the Torah and he was able to come down and give it to Israel. Jesus is this new Moses speaking with the authority of God himself in human form, taking time here in the Sermon on the Mount to interpret the law, to interpret Torah for those who were following him. Just as Moses ascended a mountain, sat down, descended the mountain, and taught Torah, Jesus is doing the same thing. There are more allusions from previously in Jesus's life to Moses as well. Both had dreams connected to their birth, both narrowly escaped as the children around them were being harmed. Both had to flee and could later return to the land. Both spent time in the wilderness. The fact that Matthew shares that Jesus taught from a mountain is no accident. Of course, we don't know if the sermon on the mount was really taught all at one time or if this was just the way that matthew decided to gather up all the nuggets of jesus wisdom and put them in one place but it doesn't really affect the way that we decipher what jesus is trying to tell us but the implication of jesus as the new moses is truly significant jesus is presented teaching the new law as the new moses for the new people of we also see in this verse that it's the disciples who followed him up the mountain. Though the Sermon on the Mountain is usually pictured as this picture that's coming up next, this, um, and you have a lot of people around him, it probably was more like this next picture. So you can barely see Jesus and his few disciples at the top, and then everybody else. Kind of like they're trying to hear what's happening. And they probably are going to benefit from overhearing and passing it on through the crowd. Jesus is offering these wisdom sayings on how to live the way God wants, providing practical instruction to all who could hear him. I invite you to sit at the feet of Jesus with me. Sit here and overhear what he is asking us to do. Inviting us into that deeper relationship with Him, finding wisdom that might be countercultural at times that you might feel uncomfortable, just as it did in the day that Jesus taught. To finish off our verses for today, in verse 2, we see, And He began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, this will be. Does anybody know what poor in spirit means? Humble. Humble. Any other thoughts? For those who have given up. For those who have given up who are like that. What was that? Unsaved. Unsaved? Is that what you said? Not following the leader. Not following the leader. (laughs) Actually, it does mean that they. um, There is a piece of this that does mean humility, but it really refers to those who continuously look to God for help in the midst of their present needy state. Someone who's impoverished in some way, who not only recognizes their need, but also trusts in God for full redemption. They realize that they must be faithful in the midst of oppression and also form solidarity with others in the same state, forming alliances of hope, compassion, and justice. Remember that the gospel is countercultural in its time, even 2,000 years ago, and it's still countercultural today. This isn't saying that only the economically needy are blessed, because oftentimes in other translations it will just say poor. Instead of poor in spirit, um, we, it's really referring to all of us who are spiritually dependent on God. They realize we are not to be self dependent, we're not to align with the wealthy oppressors that our culture lifts up as a standard of perfection because they are at odds with this kingdom of heaven. So, what posture should we take when presented with Jesus' wisdom and interpretation of Torah? First, I want to encourage you to be a disciple. Only you are already a disciple. You are here. You, too, are a follower of Jesus in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't matter if you're five sitting in here, or 85 sitting in here. You are a disciple. Maybe you're just dipping your toe into this Jesus stuff, this new way of being. Maybe you have no idea what to think about it. Or maybe you've been a follower for the last 80 years. Maybe you're a seminarian, or a retired pastor, And you think you've gotten it all down, but I want to invite you into being in the posture of a disciple, down on the ground next to the feet of Jesus as he teaches us all together. All right, so we have talked a lot about being a disciple today. I've obviously used this term a lot. um, And I want us to be thinking about that follow the leader game. But also, disciples are active listeners asking questions, seeking clarification, raising objections, they're ready to take their teacher's comments to the next level. Look at the kids. It's way bigger than follow the leader, but it is kind of just that basic. When Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven." Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. We find that later on in Matthew 18. Jesus wants us to be like children. Following him, listening to him, even the talking back parts that some of us parents don't always appreciate. He wants that. Um, Think about the curiosity that kids just naturally have. How willing they are to have a conversation about things they have no idea about. Um, And the way that they just want to tell you everything that they've heard or learned. I love conversations, especially with 6- and 7-year-olds. It's so much fun. And I want you to be thinking through what I say this summer what I teach, ask me questions. I might not have the answer, I will be very honest with you, but I will look for the answer if there is one to be had. I want to invite you into this conversation. This is a safe space to talk through all the difficult things. If you're here in person or online and you want to grow You want to learn, you must want some kind of a change in your life, and I want to invite you on this journey. I want to see you become a disciple in a way that opens you up to being curious, to being willing to have an open mind and heart as we dig into what could feel like very familiar passages. Next, I want us to take a posture of humility And learn what it's like to be poor in spirit. It's really easy to just brush off what I say. It's easy to brush off the things that we hear and what we learn from one another. But it's hard to sit and allow God to use the Bible, to use his word to shape us and change us. And transform the way that we relate to the world the way that we relate to God, to others, and to ourselves. I can tell you that this is going to be the hardest part for me. Um, I sometimes can struggle with stubbornness, right, Dad? <laughs> Once I get my mind set, I, uh, I do struggle to move on to another way. But we can't have that same mindset when we're looking at at God's Word. Though humility and poor in spirit is not quite the same thing, I do want to invite you to be both. I want you to invite you into a posture of being poor in spirit. If we can agree that biblical wisdom defined as how to live in God's world, in God's way, this can only be acquired by those who are humbly receptive to the wisdom of what we find within the Bible. A culture of wisdom trusts human observation, and through intuition and prayer, discerns God's intentions for this world. As we've seen so far, the wisdom texts have not really been full of do this or do that and don't do that, but really have been full of guidance, anchoring itself in God's own love of us and others. Practice this posture, this spirit of being. Take time this week to pray daily. Talk to God. Maybe you've been self-reliant for years, and it's time to let go of some of that control. Maybe you're already in this state of being all the time, but my guess is that we all struggle to some degree with this. We are taught to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We are taught to be self-reliant. Work toward financial wealth and independence and i'm not saying that some of this isn't good when we live in the society that we do but god kind of throws some of this out the window god wants us to fall prostrate at the throne he wants god wants us to talk with them daily to walk with them to ask for wisdom and guidance god is not asking to be only dependent upon ourselves but instead to be poor in spirit, to look to them for everything. Lastly, I want us to commit to learning together. Summer can be a time where we sort of check out. We want to put down some of our regular patterns and take up some more relaxation, and I understand this desire. Uh, If you don't know, I'm also a photographer. I work a lot on the weekends. But on Sunday mornings, I'm so grateful to be here with you all that it makes it all worth it. If you're not in love with the people that are sitting around you yet, maybe you haven't spent enough time with them. I feel like every single sermon I give, I make sure to say, hey, stick around more. So it's happening again. Stick around more. Get to know these people. They're amazing. Um, We've got a lot going on. Stay today for potluck. Sit with somebody who has piqued your interest just a little and get to know them a little more. If Jesus parallels this new Moses, and we're looking at this, we also need to look at another parallel. Jesus, while teaching the few disciples that were closest to him, was also teaching the crowd. The Israelites gathered together to listen and learn. This was part of Israel's past part of the family identity that they held on to. If we are to learn Jesus' wisdom wholly on our own, we cannot live it out in that same way. As Jesus formed a community of followers, it was like the first church. The sermon is not a list of requirements, but rather a description of a life of a people gathered by and around Jesus church forms the context for wisdom and ethics of Jesus. We cannot learn and practice this on our own, but rather let's learn together and practice together. And let's talk about how we've struggled and how we've succeeded. On Tuesdays, we go out for what we call our coffee hour, but we really eat lunch together. Um, and there's a lot of conversation and a lot of laughter. I have been asked to stop laughing during some of our lunches because it got too loud. But I want to invite you to bring your questions. Let's talk during lunch. Uh, Let's be disciples together. We can figure all the Jesus wisdom out that we have learned and through all of our experiences on our journeys. If you can't make Tuesday at noon work, I understand, feel free. Shoot me an email, send me a text. Even those who are listening to the podcast or are joining us, on there's something that you want to talk about. I want to hear from you as you wrestle with the text coming up in the next 12 weeks. As you think about Jesus' words and teachings, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to to teach you for the next few weeks. I really am excited. So the challenge during the summer is for you to be core in spirit, to be a childlike disciple who is committed to gathering together. And I'm not trying to create another impossible list for you to accomplish, because of course grace and love is the filter that everything goes through. But this is me asking for you to take time to take your time with God seriously and to think through what Jesus is teaching us and to take time to do this all together. Please join me in prayer. Lord, help us to look to you in all we do. Help us to stay humble and to be poor in spirit. Help us to be disciples, to be like children, As you lead and guide us on this journey, help us, Lord, to continue making time for our relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that we can learn and we can grow together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook, at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter, at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.